We got news. We got big news. Extra, extra. Read this, all about This it. is probably the biggest news we've ever had. I mean, in the sense of, like, on the CZL grand scheme of our existence, this is a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah, this is great. What we're talking about, friends, is we are going to be doing our first ever live podcast. Yeah! Yeah! I mean, we were really... <laughs> Stoked. <laughs> Bringing Stoked back. Yep. And it's at the Moxie Hotel. All right, Louisville people. If you just, have not been to this hotel yet, you seriously stop what you're doing right now. Go for lunch because you can have some badass tacos at Zombie Taco. Which we did. Which we did. They are phenomenal. Cocktails are amazing. Oh. Got a little midday going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I will tell you, so we paired up with Moxie. We're pairing up with Frankie's families, and we're gonna have a little, 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 little do that. Yeah, we are. So we're gonna time. do on December seventeenth from six to eight. We're gonna do a live recording. So if you've ever listened to us on the podcast and you've wanted to interject and you want to be like, oh my gosh, or you want to raise your hand and say something, this is your time. So come with us because we want this to be interactive. We want you guys to be a part of the show. We can't wait to share this with you. We've been waiting for a long time to share this with you. Super pumped. Yes. Uh, yeah, so we are um, going to be doing a live recording for like the first hour, and then we're going to turn into like fun cocktail party. So get your girlfriends, grab your hubby, grab your partner, whoever you want to come and hang out with us. Let's let's do it. We're going to have a great time. We are working with Frankie's family, um, so we want to do a coat drive. So you bring in a new coat um, for children, right? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, bring that in, and you will get a token for a free cocktail. And let me just tell you, these cocktails, y'all, it's worth it. We had to do some research last week. Well, R&D. Mm-hmm. R&D. On the cocktails. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, we both left really happy. Extremely. Fantastic. And these cocktails were on point. So great. You're going to want to do that. So bring a coat, get a cocktail, share some laughs. We can't wait to see you guys December 17th, 6 p.m. at Moxie in Louisville. You know, if you're feeling froggy. Froggy? Froggy. 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 Okay. If you're feeling froggy, you want to explore downtown, maybe stay overnight, make it a little thing. Mm-hmm. Highly suggest booking a room. These rooms are Because these so rooms cute. are so adorable. But not even that. They're functional. Yeah. Very hip, very fun. They're very European. So mm-hmm. I, the way that Justin, who is awesome, he's a captain of the hotel. Love that title. He does not have a hat, though. No, he doesn't. There's yes. no hat. We're like, you need a hat. But no, he doesn't we digress. Hat. But uh, he the, has the, the blazer European, with the, with the mm-hmm. t-shirt. It's great. And they have everything you need and nothing you don't. So ev- the space is very functional. Uh, you're not going to have a, you know, large, There's no closet. Yeah, there's no closet. But The shower is within the room. And just yeah. trust us, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. It. When you see it, you're like, oh, this is clever, and I'm here for it. And some of the best views of Louisville in our city, or mm-hmm. in our city, um, best views from this hotel of our city, it's fantastic. You guys, check it out. It's awesome. It's a great little jewel. I'm so happy that this is here. I even do. I was really blown away by the tour. Yes. And so Moxie also hooks up with Distill Hotel. Hotel Distill. Hotel Distill. Wait, you know, so I get things inverted. (laughs) It's okay. You know. But it's just such a really cool area. So highly suggest if you're feeling a little froggy after our podcast, a little interactive, you want to interact with downtown, check it out. Maybe you want to have a girls' night sleepover. Or maybe just take your hubby and have a little... Yeah, your jam jams. Right. It'd be fun. Jam jam night. It'd be so cute. It is so cute. 
Okay, fun. Well, we're here for it. And who's on our podcast? So here for (laughs) Miss Megan Bartley. She is back, and she is uh, talking about intimacy. Her episode on infidelity was just mind-blowing. Still getting a lot of downloads. Yeah. People are really, really here for this conversation. And you guys definitely had a lot of uh, feedback and questions, so we wanted to bring her on and talk a little bit more about what we were getting, um, the the higher, heavier responses. Um, So she's talking with us today on intimacy, what that looks like, what it doesn't look like, and all the things that come with it. In true Megan fashion, so yes, we're talking about intimacy, but we're not talking about just sex. We're talking about what it means to be intimate with your partner or a person and how that is very layered. Correct. It could be a connection. It could be a non-connection. So there's... Verbal or non-verbal. Exactly. So we don't want to say too much because we want you to just listen to it. Uh, But as always, if you have any questions, let us know. Send us an email, getzen at crazyzenlife.com. Or hit us up on the Instagram, Crazies in Life. All right. One quick note, though. In the show notes, there will be a lot of links to literature that she references. Check that out if you're wondering where to get these books. Perfect. See you soon. Hey, Zen friends. Welcome to Crazy Zen Life. I'm your host, Brittany Swan. And I'm your host, Shannon Kessler. Join us as we navigate life on and off our yoga mats. This is a podcast about mom life, boss life, and body life. Real conversations about self-discovery and the journey of becoming more mindful in this crazy Zen life. Shannon, Brittany, do you want to get intimate today? I do. (laughs) There's so many different ways we can take that conversation, Brittany. I've always thought, like, (laughs) I was going to open one way. I got mildly shamed and then a look of embarrassment from you so i decided to intro that way <laughs> we could just pivot in a different direction pivot pivot we're getting really good at doing that by the way yes. well you, so a couple weeks ago we released a episode about um infidelity infidelity yes that's what it was mm-hmm. i was like monogamy that's not right um <laughs> <Yes>. and yes <laughs> the breaking of that uh so we wanted to have megan back in mm-hmm. to talk about the next layer of that, which was intimacy. Yes, that was something that was, um, we got a lot of response from the past episode, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to it because it is just full of fantastic information. But a lot of the reoccurring themes was kind of pointing back to trust and intimacy and definitely something that we wanted to have Megan back on to talk more in depth about it. I think it's just going to help strengthen relationships, maybe even give a little bit more insight on like why things happen. And I mean, we just... The power of intimacy. Yeah, the power of it. Mm -hmm. And what it actually is. Yes, exactly. So I, I don't even know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a good thing Megan's on here today. So welcome well, back, here Megan Bartley. Yay! Thanks for having but me. But first, but first and foremost, we are super duper excited because Megan is going to be speaking um, on the Creative Mornings Louisville. Louisville. Uh-huh. Um, is it like a what series? series? Okay. Yeah, I mean, series. they do a monthly yeah. thing. It's an international organization that was started in Brooklyn, but has now gone international. And Louisville's chapter has been here, I think, four years. Mm-hmm. Um, but they asked me to speak on the topic silence December 13th. Um, so I will be doing that. And I believe the direction I'm going in is silencing fear. 
Yes. So that will be fun. I have a lot of experience myself with that and in my work with that. And I just think that that's a really amazing topic to get to for empowering yourself, right? Like, because for you to trust yourself, for you to be confident in yourself, you kind of have to really look at your fears, what you're afraid of, and how can you start to silence some of those in a positive way, not like a, you know, mean, critical way, but just like a transformative way. Well, I'm very excited. Deal for you. This is huge. I'm so excited, you guys. I know. I'm like, I am, I literally, I mean, okay. So (laughs) you've been, you've manifested this. I've manifested this. Yes. This is something I have wanted to do for the last three years. Of course, I would also love to do a TED talk. So if anybody has an in with TED, you know, I feel like this is like your, your pre-step to TED. I know. I know. That'll be next. This is your pre-TED talk. (laughs) I know. I'm practicing for TED, Mm -hmm. but this might even for me be bigger because I'm such a creative person and you know, their whole stance at Creative Mornings is that all people are creative, so all people are welcome, which I love that inclusivity of that. Um, And so I have to say though, when I got that email, just a lot of things aligned in a way that just when I got that, I was like, this is confirmation that I'm totally on the right path. You know, like I'm doing everything that I can be doing to keep setting myself up for success or, you know, for, what I want to be doing and being accessible to more people and Mm. all that. But I was so giddy. Like I was literally like jumping out of my skin. Like, who can I tell? Who am I going to (laughs) call? And I texted Shannon and I'm like, I need a stylist. I need you to style me for this. You know? And I was like, really for people who, you know, know about it or know what it is, or it's just a really big deal in the creative world. So I was trying to think when I have been as excited as I was that Friday morning when I got that email, maybe when my husband proposed to me. Wow. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I was like, I don't even think like finding out I was pregnant or having the baby or what, all that (laughs) stuff. Like, you know, that's kind of different. That's a whole different ball of wax. But like that excitement of like an anticipation and not expecting it. Yes. You know, was just like, it all just, oh. I still, when I talk about it, like, I'm just, you're like, just so I get goosebumps, and, yeah. and I'm, like, we are so excited. You're literally glowing. Like, your light <laughs> is shining even brighter oh, right now, and it's yay. just, it's a beautiful thing. Friends. I so, usually hesitate to say these words, but, like, I'm really proud of you. I think, like, and I always say that because I don't want to make it about me and, and place, like, your accomplishments back on me, but I think <clears> I'm just so proud that you are just, you knew your path. You've, I've only known you for, like, a little bit over yeah. a year, but you just, you're so steady, and you, you yeah. know your vision, and you want accomplishment, yeah. but it's not about elevate yourself to this next level you just want to share your knowledge absolutely and that's why we've always been here absolutely you just want to be like I, I have some tools let me just share them with you absolutely. take what serves you leave what doesn't yep and um i can't wait Thank for this you. yeah we're, well we're i i'm excited to share it with you guys too because i feel like it's i've had this whole team of people who've kind of backed me of like you know cheering me on you know like the support system kind of cheering me on and I think it would be different if I didn't have those people you know because I'd be just sort of myself kind of floating over here right but it does feel like I have people that can help me celebrate it too and are like excited for me and not you know there's not like that competition or a jealousy or whatever Mm -hmm. which is totally I just am not that competitive of a person you know like Mm -hmm. it just I want I want everybody to get all that they want, you yeah. know, because we're all going to want a little something different, maybe. Sure. So mm-hmm. it, my path is not anyone else's path. So 
I want to be able to support other people in theirs and you know I think like this this movement of of our growth from within yes this is huge right now Mm -hmm. absolutely so this is why I think yes this is going to catapult you I hope so I hope so especially going into the new year I'm excited Mm -hmm. to see where I got to get focused Mm -hmm. on what I want this to catapult me to I think because after it's yeah. done, then you'll figure it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. Oh, thank you, guys. Oh, well, thanks for being yeah. back in. Yes. yes. We really appreciate your time and your knowledge. Yeah. Yes. I know it's it's not always easy to do, but we definitely appreciate you coming back in and sharing. Of course. What you're so good at sharing. Happy to. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's take it down to Webster. What is our definition today <laughs> of what intimacy, what we may feel it is and what it really is? Right. Yes. Well, a lot of people. We've been told it is. Yes. Well, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, when we're intimate, you know, and they're they're talking about the sexual act of being intimate and intimacy, and that means like uh, we're having sex or we're you know intercourse, outer course, whatever it is, but that's sort of vulnerable. You're being vulnerable in those scenarios, right? The bigger picture of intimacy is more, uh, it's about vulnerability, but it's about also an emotional availability, right? So it is this idea that the conversations that you have with certain people could be intimate, right? Like your friendship, you two as besties have an intimate emotional relationship, right? And so it doesn't have to get weird about like, you know, whatever it's just that mm-hmm. emotional availability you have with one another the vulnerability you have with one or one another the trust that you have within each other right so imagine that you could take that and you had that in your marriage right like mm-hmm. that would feel pretty fantastic and there's a lot of people who don't have that for whatever reason and i i mean i worked with all sorts of people but it is interesting to see one like different generations like sometimes a little older generations do not have conversations maybe like the younger generations might have or mm-hmm. there's sort of these certain topics that might be off limits you know um but yeah just having an emotional availability of being open and receiving as far as being able to hear um, feedback, you know, of like this is what's working, this is what isn't working, because oftentimes we can get, you know, defensive, mm-hmm. uh, or one person gets critical. You know, we've talked a lot about, or we've talked about the the five, um, the hand. Let's I have go back hand. over that. Though. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah. It's so good. It's so yes. good. Well, okay. So the best we can. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this originates from if anybody's you know, wants to geek out on this because I'm a total <laughs> geek. So, but it, it originates kind of from the um, uh, transactional analysis from the seventies, which there was a huge book called um, I'm okay. You're okay. So this idea that can I be okay, even if my partner's not okay. Right. And this idea of that sort of how we interact with each other and, or if my partner's okay, can I, am I okay? Like I'm okay if my partner's okay, but I'm not okay if my partner's not okay. Mm-hmm. Right. That mm-hmm. whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was also another discipline called voice dialogue that I found really interesting, um, in Texas. So this my, I don't know if this is my own sort of, um, you know, combination of these two, or if I pick this up somewhere, but how I understand it and explain it to people is if you look at your hand and you have these sort of five different parts of yourself and your thumb is a critical parent 
mm-hmm. and your pointer finger is a, a nurturing parent. Okay. Your middle finger is your best, I call it the best adult self. Your ring finger is your, we need a diagram of this maybe on, I don't know how we can do that. Um, you see yeah. us all doing this right I know, now. we all have our hands on website. I'll put yeah. it on my website. Um, your ring finger is your playful child. And your pinky finger is your hurt and lonely child. Mm. So this is how I have, I understand it to be and how okay. I explain to others. So if in a relationship, oh, so so let's just take one person, for example. For, okay, and I'll, tell, I'll use me as, as an example. So in the past, I've known myself to be a pretty anxious person. And with that anxiety comes some controlling. And then that comes some criticism, right? Because people aren't doing things the way I want them to do it. So I can fall very easily into the um, critical parent role, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and you know, because we all have roles, whether we know it or not, in our families. And there's also, like, unspoken rules as I think well. we call that good cop, bad cop a lot of times. <laughs> it's like, I'm tired of being the bad cop. Yes, with, yeah. pa- with parenting, absolutely. But even in your family of origins... You know, if you were the firstborn or the second or the middle or the youngest, you're going to fall into certain roles in your family that just happen, right? Because mm-hmm. you just, you know, the whole birth order thing. Anyways, we could go into this, but back to the hand. Okay. So your critical parent. So with inside of me, the more critical I am with myself and I'm beating myself up because I didn't do this thing good enough or I didn't get to the appointment on time or I you know, said the thing that I really didn't want to say and now I feel, you know, bad about it or whatever. So that critical side of me interacts with the pinky, which is the hurt and lonely child inside of me, which the critical parent continues to beat up sort of that hurt and lonely child, Mm -hmm. right? Which keeps me sort of feeling not good enough or I don't deserve X, Y, Z. So it's that internal dialogue first and foremost Mm -hmm. that you have within yourself. So some homework that I give clients sometimes at the first, at the first session to go and just pay attention to your own internal dialogue right? Mm -hmm. Just notice like when you're driving down the street, you're going to pick up the kids, you're at the grocery, you're at work, you know, just start to pay attention to how you speak to yourself. Because there's, there's a huge likelihood that how you speak to yourself is also how you are communicating with other people. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, I do think that we are way more, uh, mean to ourselves and we probably would ever be to someone else like mm-hmm. actually like oh you're such a dumbass or you're such a whatever like sometimes we don't say those things to other people but the the tone of it can come through right which kind of goes to that idea that 70 to 90 percent of what we communicate is our nonverbal communication so the tone of your voice the volume of your voice your facial expressions your body posture your hand movements communicate 70 to 90 percent of what you're trying to say versus the words Mm -hmm. right and the example i love to give is you can say oh i love you or you can say i love you (laughs) right yeah and you can imagine you listeners what my face look like or whatever yeah totally different responses same words right so the words really 
they matter, but they don't matter as much as that nonverbal piece, right? So, but the nonverbal piece, my, I really have seen and believe really kind of starts with yourself and like how you feel about yourself. Cause it's going to be hard to, I mean, you can fake it. Like you can be like, I totally hate myself, uh, but I'm going to be the sweetest, nicest person to other people, right? Like you can mm-hmm. do that, but you can, o- you can only really sustain it for so long. And yeah. I think most people know when you're lying, mm-hmm. you know, like when you're talking with them and you're like, oh, this person seems kind of fake, fake, mm-hmm. right? And so it's almost like... Or just it, there's instability. You can right. see it. You can sense it. Yeah. And so it's if it's a genuine, if you're being genuine about it, right, like versus is it, you know, I'm just trying to do this to get people to like me or not see how much I dislike myself. Because perhaps the people who do that don't really know that they dislike themselves as much as they actually do. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, so back to this idea of the, the critical parent beats up on the hurt Her and lonely child. child. So if you struggle with depression, you're feeling lonely, you're feeling not good enough, you're feeling unworthy, you're feeling all these, you know, sad, lonely feelings, you're kind of going to be stuck in that hurt and lonely child mode or the victim, right? Like if you take on kind of this victim oh, everything happens to me, you know, like, oh, this is just so awful or pessimistic or whatever. You're kind of going to get stuck in that hurt and lonely child. Now, how do we work on that? So my quest for me and how I work with clients has been the more kind and gentle and nurturing I am with myself, the more I'm not being critical right? And if you think about your parenting styles, right? Like many of us think of this externally of like, I want to, you know, yeah, you have to have a certain amount of parentalness to how you parent. And yet you're going to have maybe flexibility of like, okay, you know, you spilled your milk. Well, let's get a rag and clean it up instead of like, Mm -hmm. you dumbass, you spilled your milk. Right. What the hell were you thinking? Right. Mm -hmm. A little bit different Mm -hmm. there. So if you speak to yourself more nurturingly, kind, gentle, like, oh, okay, you're five minutes late. Not that big a deal. People are five minutes late. Just go in, say, I'm really sorry I'm five minutes late, right? Like, hopefully people will get it. The more genuine you are with yourself and with other people, I think the more forgiving you are with yourself and more forgiving people are with you, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead of the fear, and that's sort of an element of silencing your fear. Right? Look how we did that. Look how we did that. (laughs) I thought it was all around. We're writing it. We're writing it. Okay. So, so yes. So, you know, being more nurturing to yourself. What that does is it starts to grow up, if you will, that hurt and lonely child to be a little bit more free and playful. Right? Can Mm -hmm. we talk about the free? Why is that so important? Well, I mean, to be able to have fun and to be able to let go and to have flexibility. I think we've said Mm -hmm. maybe on this somewhere, one of these episodes, I've said that the idea of rigidity versus flexibility, Mm -hmm. like if you think about this, like these up, these, the thumb and the finger have a lot of rigidity, right? The controlling, the I'm the victim, I'm going to stay, you know, I'm always lonely, I'm always sad or whatever. There's a lot of rigidity to that, which brings, there's, I think it, Dan Siegel, who wrote all these wonderful books about mindset and, um, you know, kids and all these different things. His whole belief is around that mental illness is more about rigidity, 
like when the more rigid thinking you have, the more mental illness or more mm. mental issues mm -hmm. you have versus the more mental flexibility you have, the more open you are, the more... Well, yeah, because you don't have to... It makes more sense to understand that it doesn't always have to be one way versus another, that it just in life, it's all going to be more fluid than right. it is rigid. So, yes, yeah, so it's that idea of moving away from the black and white thinking, which can be very rigid because there's only two options. And now I'm getting anxious and fearful because I have to choose one of these options and which one's the right one. If I choose the right one, then the other one's the wrong one. So anybody who does the other one is in the wrong and I'm in the right. So mm -hmm. I can justify my choices versus flexibility would be the rainbow of options in between, mm -hmm. right? Like if you can think of more options of like, okay, so I go and I only stay for an hour. I go and I stay for two hours. I don't go and I do something else. Or, you know, so you give yourself more options. There's more flexibility, right? Which is really wonderful for your brain. Yeah. And your emotional state. So when we're talking about emotional availability, it helps when we're more flexible. Now, this doesn't mean you don't have boundaries mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that you have people walk all over you, mm -hmm. right? It just means that you're giving yourself more options. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know what this really ties into? Um, we talked about trusting yourself in the, in the last episode, which I'm really nice. obsessed with. Um, that I've struggled with that a lot. Yeah. But when you give yourself a little bit more allowance of the gray. Yes. It, and we've talked about permission, of yep, course. Yep. But then you become more self-aware about what you're tolerant of. Yep. So, like, your hard no's become hard no's. Mm -hmm. And those hell yeses become hell yeses. Right. But then you just learn so much more about what you're willing to take. Yes. You know? Mm -hmm. Instead yeah. of just, okay, I'm just, I only know these two areas. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Well, and even in my own life, I was in a situation recently where I had I was making a decision, and the decision I was making, I was feeling a lot of anxiety about. And I was like, why the hell am I feeling all this anxiety? Like, I'm usually pretty good at, like, trusting my gut and listening to myself mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Why am I doing it? And I realized, like, it was this, I was making the decision because this is what I thought I should do. So I was shooting all over myself. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I, I talked with some colleagues and my own therapist about it, and I was like, what is going on? Like, what is this about? And they're like, maybe this isn't the best decision for you. And I was like, what? And that idea, what I came to, I was also reading a wonderful book called The Anatomy of the Spirit, which might We're be... We're going to buy it. It might mm -hmm. be a little out there for some people, but um, it really drew home a lot of things about relationships and her whole idea Carolyn Mays talks about um, your biography becomes your biology so this narrative that you tell yourself so this is why if you're not in touch with yourself and you don't know whatever your narrative is probably all over the place or it's non-existent you're kind of in that autopilot mode versus the mindfulness of like what is it that I really do want so when I looked at this decision differently and I said okay I'm in this black and white this or this and I've chosen this and it doesn't feel good to me. I'm having a lot of anxiety about this, right? So what would help, what decision, what rainbow of options would I get to to not feel so much anxiety? I love this. Mm -hmm. Right? So it was like, it was me aligning with, let's say, my truth, right? Because making this decision was not my truth. Right. It did not feel best to me. Did it look good on paper? 
It looked wonderful on paper, <laughs> which is an excellent segue. I know we haven't even finished the hand. I I'm like way I off on this different topic. <laughs> Okay, no, we'll come back. Perfect. I mean, that's I just like I couldn't help. That was I'm perfect. Like, I'm like, boo, we 97 Joke episodes it. in. You get, you work that transition. <laughs> get it, get it, get it, get it. She's good. Okay, good. we could go to the paper piece, or we could go finish the hand. We'll finish the hand. Okay. Finish the hand. We're all gonna right. go paper. I'm, I'm all over the place. Things Thank that look you. good on paper, right? Is definitely something we've all been down yes. that road. Yeah. Okay, so the rest of the hand is you have your nurturing. Yeah, so critical parent, hurt and lonely child, nurturing parent free and playful child and then you have your best adult self Mm -hmm. and your best adult self is like you are adulting at adulting's finest and there's really not a lot of emotionality to it it's just sort of like groceries have to get bought we're buying groceries Mm -hmm. you know you're not like making meaning out of anything it just is what it is overthinking right i mean it's not lost on me that that is your middle finger (laughs) and as you get to be an adult you just have left Fucks to give. Yes. So, you know. There you go. Have there you seen you Living go. With Yourself yet with Paul Rudd? No. Okay. Oh, it's I It's very think I similar. I think, so yeah. basically, he's his best. Okay, when he gets yes. cloned. Sorry, spoiler alert. But he gets, it's, it's in the first 20 minutes. It's whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're going to watch it, you're gonna, it's like spoiled within like that. But he basically clones himself and he, his next clone is his best adult self. Nice. Basically. That's awesome. yeah, and okay. so he's living with his best adult self and how annoying his best assault adult <laughs> self is and, like, how he's, like, doing life better. Yes. But that's basically what it is. Yeah. Like, we're all, like, l- yeah. living for our middle finger. Right. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so when you take the hand and then you have your the other hand of your partner. Oh. Right? Oh. Here we so go. So now we have two hands. Got it. So you have your partner and you have you. And so you each are going to have, we all have these elements of us, right? That get mm-hmm. triggered or we can fall into or we our personality gets sort of, you know, that's sort of our personality. Or it's just behaviors we're used to that you can change. So let's say for me, I, in the past, have known myself to be, you know, kind of more of that critical parent mode. I was a perfectionist. I do my best now to do it differently because I want to stay married because... Right. There's this element of the more critical I am to my partner and he and then I won, I maybe place him in that Mm -hmm. hurt and lonely child space. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you can't really have I mean, I don't know if you can have two two critical parents. You'd be fighting all the time. There'd be a lot of passion. And a lot of maybe makeup sex. But like that's going to be a lot of conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Or if you have two hurt and lonely kid, you know, kiddos, you're probably going to really not get a lot done, right? right? You're just gonna be sad all the time. So like for my husband, who was at one point a, a professional comedian, he is the free and playful child, mm-hmm. which can irritate me at times when we need to get shit done, right? Mm-hmm. right? Now we can get shit done and do it fun and playful, but we need to get shit done. Yeah, but that's that critical, controlling critical parent in me that's like, come on. Yeah. We got to get this done. So, you know, through our own therapy and years of being married, we have I, we have learned, you know, like I've learned to chill out, mm-hmm. right? And just be like, yeah, shit needs to get done. But, you know, here's a time frame that it can get done. You know, here's where, yeah. you know, and here's my, what I'm thinking, what are you thinking? And have it be a little bit more negotiating. Mm-hmm. So, so when you have the two hands, right? So if somebody shows up a certain way, if you have someone who shows up, Like, you know, they're a victim, you know, everything's happening to them. They're always negative, all those things. Likely they're going to be with a partner who's either totally checked out, Mm -hmm. like just doing their own thing, probably their best adult self, trying not to be bothered by this, 
or they're with somebody pretty critical who's like, do it better. Why why are you you always negative? Why are you always do this? You do this all the time, right? So that's tricky. Or if you're always critical, you're likely going to make your partner feel a certain way, Mm -hmm. right? And the big key to this when it comes to intimacy and physical intimacy is usually parents don't want to have sex with their kids and kids don't want to have sex with their parents. Right. Because one's being the mother, one's being the, right. not Controlling the, or, the child. Yeah. Or one's yes. being the parent, one's being, you know. Yes. So it's, so the it, dynamics are shifting. Right. Usually you want to come from, you know, you want to be a little free and playful. You want to be a little, you know, the adult. You know, you're taking precautions. You're, you know, you're being nurturing. You know, you want to kind of stay in those right. areas versus that critical and the hurt and lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. I mean, it just takes one critical comment. In an intimate, physical intimate situation yep. to shut down a partner. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, oh, okay. Yep. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> and whether you know it or not, I mean, we each come with our family of origin stuff. You know, for 18 years, most of us heard a certain dialogue or we were in a certain role. And, you know, our parents were a certain way and our siblings were a certain way. And so that gets sort of hardwired into us mm-hmm. that that's either, you know, we play our role in our marriages or we play our role with our kids or however we do that kind of unconsciously, right? Mm -hmm. Like just in that, you know, autopilot. Well, this is who I've always been. So I guess this is who I am. And then when you, you know, get together in a marriage with someone and the person, now you have sort of the mirror who's like, you can't do that. You can't say that to me or this is not going to work if this is how this is going to be. Right. Yeah. Um, So it's tricky. Yeah. Right. Which that's what also can, you know, if you, you know, get go in the Gottman and read anything by John Gottman, who's the leading marriage researcher. There's a lot of things that are really wonderful. Uh, But his big thing is turning toward each other versus turning away from each other. So when you have infidelity, you have that turning away versus turning toward. Like, can we be honest and vulnerable with our partner to say, hey, this isn't working for me and here's why, and this is triggering me here. So it's not just about, I need you to change all these things about you to make me happy. It's sort of like really understanding where it's coming from, mm-hmm. right? Because you, mm-hmm. you can get partners who are also very defensive, like, well, I'm not trying to do that. Well, I'm not wanting yeah. to do that. But you don't understand how, you know, you are emotionally affects your partner, right? Mm-hmm. Or we really maybe haven't ever had to think about that before. Mm-hmm. But maybe we see it more also with our kids because usually there's an immediate reaction. Like if we blow up at our kids, our kids are either going to start crying or they're going to blow back at us or whatever the thing is. And so, you know, that's usually a big wake up call. We're like, oh, shit, this isn't working. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. now what I see a lot is that partners start to shut down and they start to withdraw. And there's that turning away. And I hear it over and over is because, oh, I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to hurt my partner's feelings. And so it's, you know, if you can kind of reframe that for yourself around, it's not hurting your partner's feelings. It's about being honest and being vulnerable and being open and with yourself and looking at your roles in your own family of origin and how that has put you where you're at now. And sometimes saying stuff, it will hurt. It will hurt. But it's going to hurt. If you turn away from your partner and you start to um, you start to grow apart, 
that's going to hurt. Yeah. And then if somebody decides to step out of the marriage, that's going to hurt even more. Right. These are all, you're making permanent decisions at that point. Right. Whereas if you just would have the uncomfortable, hard conversation yeah. before, yeah, it might not have to get to a permanent. Yes. And I will say, I will preface this because I've had to go through this in my own marriage, which we've been married 15 years. So we've, you know, had many Seen some stuff. Years. You've done the hard Seen stuff. Seen some stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like we've had a couple different marriages in that time. There is a yeah. thought that everybody's going to have several different marriages. Now you can do that with the same partner mm-hmm. or you can do that with multiple partners. I feel like that's such a comforting thought. Gosh. Can, did anyone else just feel a little uh, bit more comfort? Literally, I think my brain is on the top shelf right now. Just blew out <laughs> of my head. I mean, this is honestly, this is something my mom has said for a long time. She said, Shannon, you're allowed to fall in love more than once in your life. And you know what? That is true because it, you know, people who have multiple marriages, maybe they're just learning who they are on their hand and their spectrum of like, I'm not my best self yet. This is what my, um, yes. What, what child, hurt and the hurt and lonely child yeah. felt comfort in yeah. this Incredible. first marriage. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Megan. Right. It's kind of mind blowing, right? Yeah, really I mean, is. I had a call. And you can do it two different ways, but we're saying yeah. like, you know, if you're giving your best self permission. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, and when you wow. think about like, when you first get married and you don't have kids, that is a you're at totally a different. you're a, you're only learning Newly so married, much. married, yeah, about yourself, right. and you're still there's so many like physical attractions that are happening, mm-hmm. you know, with your spouse, and then kids enter the mix. learning, exploring, yeah, mm-hmm. and then you know you both get hit with not hit with kids, but like <laughs> sorry, <laughs> a reality, a reality, a reality, check reality. Kids, reality of kids. And earlier today, I said diagnose. <laughs> I was like, when I was, I was like, when I found out I was diagnosed, pregnant, yeah, sorry. But you, you're still learning about, well, you're shedding kind of your old self and you are becoming a new self and you're either, it, it's, it takes a lot longer for some people to get comfortable in that motherhood yeah. role or that parent role. Right. And you might be learning a lot about yourself and you don't know yet where you fit yes. on your spectrum. Well, and I may challenge the idea of shedding your own self, old mm-hmm. self. I think it, I think ideally it's about building on Shedding and shifting. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's not, you're not fully not who you ever were. Sure, yeah. Right? You're still who you were. You're still being, bringing all your shit with you. Mm-hmm. Now you're just in a new role. Right. So it's like it's like Legos. It's almost like Legos where you're yep. just building more, you're, it's getting more complex. It's getting more mm-hmm. colorful. It's getting more. Mm-hmm. You can move pieces you know, now. You can <laughs> move, yeah. And you can flex it, flex yeah, it and yeah. you can move them around, right? Yeah. But yeah, Absolutely. so there is, you know, and I mean, I also see. marriage satisfaction is ranked the lowest after you have your first child. I can definitely attest to that. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't go back up until all your children leave for college or wherever they go. They leave the house. So we're talking like a long time. You don't have kids to make your marriage better. Can you say that one more time? (laughs) A little bit louder. You You don't don't have kids. I mean, some people might try. But the reality is, if we really think about this, kids add layers and layers of stress onto you as a person and onto your relationship. Yeah, right. Fucking mirrors. Mm-hmm. They like, are. They will point out and the worst flaws. They're the exhausting. They're like paparazzi. They take up a lot of time. <laughs> they take up a lot of money. I mean, there is just there's a lot of stressors. You want to do it right. Right? Instead you do, of, but also if you're trying to do your relationship right, if you're trying to have a conversation with your husband in the same room <laughs> with your children, but it's like somewhat serious, like not even like super nope. serious, but just somewhat Can't serious. Happen. No. There is nothing yeah. that gets my goat. I'm like, did you see me having a conversation? Right, like, right. mom, mom. Did you see this turtle I just drew? I'm like, D- really? 
Okay, so let's apply that to the hand. Oh, yes. Because your kids <laughs> all have their hand people, right? They're the, mm. the elements of themselves. So if they hear you go into serious mode that might be a little on the critical side, right? They're mm -hmm. going to want to lighten up the mood mm -hmm. by being... Oh, by showing you the your turtle. Attention. Oh my God. Showing you the turtle Got to get it. your attention. To be like, they don't know to say, mom, yeah. stop being so serious. Like, mm -hmm. mom, it's too much. It feels, it's what they're feeling, right? Six and under, very affect oriented. So it's mm -hmm. all about feeling. And that's, you know, how that, they're going to react to that. Yeah. So notice now when your kids are pulling for your attention, What's going on for you? Is it really something they need, or are they trying to shift some energy that you're bringing to the table? Well, you just shut me down over here, Megan. <laughs> no, that's good. So, Shutting down is not the right word. Basically, I'm building now. And now <laughs> I've got I a building wanna, permit. I don't want to build you down. I I'm just going to tear you down. Start, yeah. I, I just now realized I'm like, yeah. so my energy is like a big dumpster fire yeah. <laughs> that I'm bringing to the table. Setting this shit on fire. Yeah. But think about this. You're building trust with your kids, too. Yes. I mean, these are all relationships. So whether it's your spouse, it's your kids, it's your, you know, work people, it's your neighbors, it's whatever. You're constantly in relationships. You're in relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. You're in relationship with some sort of maybe higher being, universe, God, source, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a relationship there, of an understanding of how you know that to be. And so this is not just applicable to your marriage. Like we're talking a lot about intimacy, but you have intimacy in a lot of different ways. I mean, your relationship with your kids are is incredibly intimate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, mean that you you do show up similar. Yeah. With mm -hmm. your kids. Yeah. And so your first intimate partners are your parents. Yeah. If you think about that. Yeah. And so what foundation are you giving your kids? If right. you think about it now, as us as parents, right? That's nerve-wracking. Right. Let's put it back to marriage real quick. Because uh, that I can fall That's down a deep, stepped on deep, a lot deep. of Legos and people. Like, <laughs> this is where this foundation's going. <laughs> but like Shannon said earlier, so the, so we go to the good on paper. And yes. you probably hear this a lot because yes. we, we think maybe our spouse is one way when we marry yeah. them. And then because everything was bright and shiny and new. But right. then, you know, once you go through the trenches and it's like, oh, wow. that Yeah, you're still good on paper, but there's some. There's right. a lot of things over here that I need to address. Yes. Yeah, that comes up a lot, you know, with me and my work. And um, people want to know, one, what's going on. Like, can I fall back in love with my partner? Or can I feel, have those feelings again towards them? And it kind of depends on what is actually going on, right? I mean, for the, you know, the people who look good on paper, you know, I'll hear, you know, they're a provider and they're kind. And it, this is, goes both ways, you know, men and women. I do tend to see it. I don't want to even say I see it more in women, but it's different in women because I think things start to shift after you have your first kiddo. And moms go into mama bear mode and they go into, you know, they put a lot of pressure on themselves how to do this thing right again back to that black and white thinking versus the rainbow of colors um you know they just put a lot of pressure on themselves society puts a lot of pressure on moms of like you know what's the best way to do this or what's mm -hmm. the best car seat or diaper or bottle or all that bullshit right um and so yes there you know women in their relationships I, this is you know where you can start to really grow apart 
is when you have the mom who is in this very hormonal place as well, like the first 18 months, like your hormones don't really kind of go back to normal for 18 months after you have a baby. And so if you have multiple babies mm -hmm. back it's to back, mm -hmm. yeah. you're going to be in that mode for a while. But so there's this element of one, you could be the mom who doesn't want anyone else to step on your toes and take over so you're going to do it all right mm -hmm. and and um be the over functioner um or there's the mom who is asking for help and perhaps it's you know and i don't want moms to feel like i'm blaming them at all it's either they're not being specific sometimes husbands need a lot of very specific mm -hmm you know, specificity, um, or they are, and their husbands are like, oh, everything's okay on my end, so, you know, it'll be fine, right? They right. kind of get dismissed. Yeah. And if you've been doing that for three years, five years, 20 years, years. <laughs> 10 years, and you keep saying, and you feel like you're being your best adult self, saying, something has to change, this isn't working for me, I need things to be different. You know, if the D word comes up, like maybe we need to think about divorce, right? I mean, mm -hmm. those are pretty serious conversations that I would really hope spouses pay attention to. The problem is, is that you have two people in a marriage who are living out of different lenses, right? So the new mom, you know, female lens is going to be very different than the husband, perhaps provider lens of like how the roles, back to the roles of the roles that they take on. You know, mom wants to, maybe she's a stay-at-home mom, maybe she's a working mom, doesn't matter. She wants to do momming the best she can, right? And puts a lot of pressure on herself. And dad is going to do dadding the best he can. And perhaps he wants to really provide because now I have this whole family. It's not just me and my wife. There's like kids and there's, you know, the mortgage and there's college and there's schooling and there's all these things to think about. So I need to spend more time making more money. Mm -hmm. And so I need to focus over here on this. Not I think our dads these days are so much more involved than mm -hmm. any other Absolutely. point in time. So I think they're doing a fabulous job. Yeah, what, way more dynamic now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. What I would, you know, what I would hope for couples is how can you talk together about what needs to happen? Like, what's going to be best for our family, right? Not my perspective or your perspective, but how can, you know, how can this be best for our family? So, you know, if before you had kids, you know, let's just say this happens a lot, but let's just say, you know, dad used to go golfing a lot right? Take a Saturday, be gone for five hours, come back, perhaps having had a few beers, wants to take a nap or watch football or whatever. Now you have a kid. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I see a lot of times is, you know, moms either don't give themselves permission to take that kind of time off mm -hmm. and go do something for themselves. Um, and they also get into sort of this, you know, the critical space around like, well, if I'm not there doing it, it's not, not going to yes, be done. Yes. And this is all, I, I just want to preface, this is all very tricky. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, blaming anybody for anything, mm -hmm. but it's, you You're know, just talking about observations you've seen. Yes. Over your yes. years. Yeah. Of and it's hard yes. because the mom is going to feel this sort of um, 
loyalty in some ways to this baby because it maybe grew inside of them for nine months <laughs> and maybe they've breastfed this baby and there's a lot of attachment to it which is wonderful for this child and sometimes that can also really hurt the marriage because mm -hmm. the husband might not understand quite so much well you know why can't we get a babysitter why don't you want to leave this baby and the wife will say you know well i've worked 40 hours this week and i haven't had time with the baby you know and the husband's mm -hmm. like well, what about me you know well, like, no one can put it to this baby to bed like i do right or mm -hmm. you know, i've been right there. so i mean I, I hope that this is all relatable to everybody because i know relatable. for sure i've been there myself mm -hmm. you know and um you know, it's just that it's just a different mindset. You're just coming from two different perspectives. Right. Yeah. And I do think we might need to listen to our husbands a little bit more, too, of like, yeah, you do need to make sure the marriage is a focal point, too. Well, I've even heard like um, friends of mine that resist the urge to like or don't go away with their husbands, because even though they're older children, they have such a, like a heavy schedule or there's a lot mm -hmm. going on and they're like, it's just better if I take care of it because it's just too much. Yeah. It's just too much to organize. And, and I get that. Like, yeah. I mean, so there's two sides. It doesn't have right. to be a baby, but it's just about how your life kind of pans out. And you, yes. you just know that it's just better if I do it. Well, and it's again, it's like clean up that spilled milk. You're like, I can, yeah. let me just do it. Let me just, let right. me just do it. But that it's that where it comes to the rigidity of it. You're only seeing it if you lens. do it the right way, then it's the right way. Like, whereas... And it provides value. Then yes. I can say that I'm valuable because I've done this well mm -hmm. and I've gotten them to practice on time and pick them up from school, right? Mm -hmm. When they like to be picked up from school and, mm -hmm. you know, all those things. And you know what? We also need to create a flexibility within our kids, too. Yeah. I'm Amen. still trying to figure that out with my first one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the other one's a like book. a rubber band. <laughs> first one, she's real... She's pick on that she one. She likes how she likes it. Who she likes it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, yeah. We have a whole podcast about that one. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. So going back to the intimacy of like yes. surround around that. Yes. So when you relinquish those roles or when you kind of give into the yeah. shutting that. Well, yeah, I think there's an element of, you know, are you can't is trust built here? Like, can I trust that if I'm going to say something vulnerable, that it's going to be received appropriately? So that's where you also need to know how do you receive when your partner is vulnerable with you. Because it might look completely different than what you're expecting it to show up as or... Could be. Okay. You know, like, because oftentimes I also see in relationships, you have an extrovert and you have an introvert, or you have one that's a little bit more extrovert, a little bit more introverted, right? So the introvert might not talk a lot, mm -hmm. but might have a very, um, you know, Jovial personality. Yes, and they could have a very, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, you know, their internal world is very vivid and imaginative, mm -hmm. but they seem aloof or withdrawn sometimes, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And then you have a more extroverted person who's like up and bubbly and chatty and whatever and might talk a lot. And so you kind of have to create space for if you want your partner to talk more you're going to have to create a little bit more space for them to talk and then for you to listen because mm -hmm. sometimes when we talk a lot we're not really great listeners so we need to be better listeners to see like what is my person really saying and not only what are they saying the words but what are they trying to communicate like mm -hmm. what is this also really about and so i love i tell my clients all the time like have you checked in with that person? Like checking in, like just 
you know, because you may feel like, oh, they're mad at me or they're annoyed with me or they're mm -hmm. whatever. And so it's like, well, check in and see. And maybe know? they are, but it's probably more about something they're feeling yeah, and not like you necessarily. Yeah, and it could or be a little of both. Yeah, right. That, but, yeah, yeah, but like you maybe cause these feelings, but like there's other feelings that could tie in. And yeah, well, maybe for that person too, silence isn't a negative. Absolutely. Maybe silence is their way of saying right. everything's okay. And if you're not used to the silence, though, it's going to be very uncomfortable for you. So mm -hmm. then that's where you own your own discomfort, right, around that because we don't tend to like to be uncomfortable. Right. No. Nobody's yeah, like, oh, I can't wait to be uncomfortable. <laughs> but here's the thing. Growth doesn't happen without discomfort. It's not mm -hmm. possible. It's not possible. I mean, yeah. if you're going to try something new, you're going to mess up a lot before you get to, you know, your end goal. If you have if you're going to grow as a kid, you're going to have growing pains. Right. Mm -hmm. There is an inherent discomfort in growth. Yes. So if you're uncomfortable or if you are comfortable, you're likely not growing, which is not a bad thing. You don't always have to be in growth mode. Yeah. But it also, when you learn new things and you're growing, it releases wonderful hormones in your brain that help us feel alive and interested in something and, you know, yeah. giddy about like, something. Like, oh, I didn't know that about me or yeah. Right. the world. Yeah. So... You know, that's where we have to have enough of that vulnerability to feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know, like if, if I decide to take a class on cooking and I show up with all these people, I don't know what their level of cooking skills are. Right. I, I don't really care. But like, it's kind of like you're vulnerable. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm here, you mm -hmm. know, or whatever, the, you know, yoga class, you know, for people who've never done yoga before. You have that, you know, they're going to be like, oh, am I going to, I can't, I can't touch my toes. I can't do this. I'm in right. these tight clothes and I'm feeling very vulnerable right mm -hmm. now because it's something new. Right. However, there is a benefit in challenging yourself because it will help you feel more alive and stretch you in more ways than one right. and, you know, give you wonderful doses of these feel good hormones like dopamine, serotonin, all these things that we kind of crave. We want to feel happy. We want to feel good. Well, you kind of have to like stretch yourself too to get there. And that's what happens, I think, too, with marriages is we start to get bored, right? It starts to get mundane. It starts to get routine. We get in a rut and there's a lot of comfort in that until maybe it starts to feel uncomfortable. And so it's we can turn towards our partner to learn something new about each other and this relationship or we start to turn away and we seek this newness somewhere else, mm -hmm. whether it's getting a new hobby or it's finding a different relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's it's also like one thing that I've realized through therapy um, is that when you don't settle for I don't know all the time, it's OK to not have the answer, mm -hmm. but be willing to search for the answer. Yes. Mm hmm. So yes. it's just like you never accept that in, in, a, in a school, like when you, know, you raise your hand or Absolutely. they call on you yeah. and do like, what, what's the answer, Brittany? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, that's not an answer. Right. You don't have to have the right answer. You don't have, but you can just be willing to search for an answer. Yeah, be open to the answer. And I do mm -hmm. that with clients when I, if I ask them a question in, in my office and I'll say, they'll say, I don't know. And I'll say, well, let's, let's, let's take a minute. <laughs> let's just take a minute. And just, you know, if you had to guess what this is about. 
what would you say? Or if someone else was looking at it outside of you, what mm-hmm. would they say this is about? So it kind of like also it can be vulnerable to be yeah. asked that question and be put on the spot. So if you can also remove a layer of it and you can say like, well, let me go think about this and I'll come back and bring you an answer, right? Because then you can kind of process that on your own. And for introverts, a lot of times introverts are, don't do a lot of great processing in the moments, they need time to process, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're married to an introvert and you're always frustrated because they don't want to finish the conversation right now, likely they do need some time to process this because different people's brains are different. Sure. And a big thing too, like for, listen, because I'm married to an introvert and I think I'm an introvert, extrovert, but I, okay, that whole like going to bed angry. And I do agree with that to some extent, but you don't have to have resolution. No. Like nothing ever has to be decided no. before you your head hits that pillow. I don't think so. I don't think I, I can't live in that world because then I feel forced and I'm trying not to be so forced into mm-hmm. having a resolution or having a, yes. a, a definite answer because that's sometimes where I find comfort is I have an answer. So good night. Yeah. Right. And so then I regret the yeah. decision that was made. I'm like, oh, well, I didn't think about that clearly. Or mm-hmm. I wish I would have taken a mm-hmm. pause. Yeah. And, and that, you can also say, yeah, like, well, here's pause. how I feel about it right now. But I also reserve the right to change my mind. Yes. And that's that flexibility piece. So let me get back to you at the end of t- Give me 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I feel, yeah, yeah, like that's, to, to your point, Brittany, the at night, like, I don't like to go to bed angry. But I also, again, don't need resolution. But I will have to make the... For me, I'm like, I just need to tell you, you made a comment today that hurt my feelings, or this is how I felt when you said this. You don't need to do anything about it. I just need you to know that this is how I'm feeling. And then I can actually sleep peacefully. And it's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. To... And then, and then, yeah. So, and that's get tricky too, because was that comment a really, you know, was it just a mishap comment or was it right. something that really was pointed, you know, mm-hmm. like, so that's, but those are all excellent conversations that create intimacy. Yes. So you get to know each other. You're getting mm-hmm. to know yourself and you're getting, getting to know your partner. Yeah. Right. A lot of us don't really even know ourselves very well. So mm-hmm. I think it would be hard to really do this also with your partner. Yes. Right. Yeah. Or you think you know yourself, you know, or but it's, when you feel removed from somebody, you you shut down basically. So if you're feeling removed from yourself, true, yeah, you're shutting down around everyone. That's yeah. what I think. And yeah, like, well, and the the other thing that's a good point to make is that most problems or issues in marriages are not solvable problems. They will never go away. They're called. They're, um, there's an actual word for unsolvable. I don't know. But it's, they're not solvable. You're not going to find an answer and it's going to magically be done and we're done with it, right? They're, it's more about how do we manage it. Mm. Okay. They're perpetual problems. Sure. So things like sex, parenting, in-laws, money, like those are big topics that mm-hmm. are never going to go away. And you likely each have two very different ways of doing things. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. And so it's not about solving this issue that we have about sex or about money or about whatever. It's about managing it. How do we talk about this? How do we manage this? So it's like you two are on a path together. There's a boulder in the middle of the path. The two of you cannot move the boulder physically. No. But how are you going to get around the boulder? Right. 
And there's multiple ways. Sure. Mm-hmm. You could go over the boulder. Uh-huh. You could go around the boulder. Pick you up could, the boulder. Yeah. I mean, there could be a lot of different things. Uh-huh. And each of your perceptions of the boulder is likely going to be different. One's yeah. going to see it as huge, and the other might see it as small. Or one says it's heavy, and one says it's light. So that's that, a cartoon right there, right? I'm do you see that, it? Like literally we in my an mind. Animator. We yeah, need an animator. Exactly. <laughs> There's two goats going to the bathroom. <laughs> Both very stubborn. Is he a Yes. But like this is I mean, it's it's kind of it's mm-hmm. big stuff, but I yeah. think, you know, when you start to realize like how are we managing this? How are we just how are we talking about this? You know, how can we and I will 100% say the minute you try this kind of stuff, you are going to fuck up and you are going <laughs> to fail horribly. And you're going to think you're going to, I'm going to go in there and it's going to be wonderful. And we're going to have this conversation and your partner is going to look at you and be like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? And you're just like, oh, I don't know. Right. But like, you have to like, you have to practice this. This yes. is something that is not like most of our parents did not teach us this. There's no curriculum to this. We don't get Mm -hmm. this in school. Hopefully your parents gave you somewhat of a good or some adult somewhere gave you some examples of how to do things well. But at the end of the day, you've never maybe been married before or married to this person at this point in time with this information. So this is, it's practicing. It's Mm -hmm. taking a risk. It is being vulnerable. It's trying something new. It doesn't always feel good. It feels serious a lot of times. It's not fun and light and whatever, right? So yeah. if you have time with your person um, to have these conversations, like the kids are in, a be- in bed, you know, it's like I don't recommend trying to have these conversations all the time, like every day. Mm-hmm. No, they are so mentally exhausting and you will yes. get anything accomplished. Right. And I am a big fan of like another way to build intimacy is through finding things that you enjoy doing together, mm-hmm. you know? And so what are the things you did together before having kids, right? Will the, Can you still do those things now? Do those things still apply? Mm-hmm. Um, can you find something together that you guys can take up as a hobby, you know, maybe it's something you've never thought about before, you know, like maybe it's, you know, not on either one of your radars, right? I I realized a couple years ago, my husband in our neighborhood, he would go play poker with the guys. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he's always off going playing poker with the guys. And the girls, the women don't really do much together. I mean, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. I was like, why aren't we playing poker? So I was like... Uh, for my 40th birthday, I threw a pro- poker party, couples poker party, because I was like, I want to learn how to play. I want these women to learn how to play so that I can play with them. And so, you know, sometimes as women, we'll just play on our own. Mm-hmm. But that was a step toward doing something that I can do with my husband, too. Who's Did a- that work with him? Like in your yes. relationship, were you guys talking about? Yes. And he, yeah. he was able to be the expert on poker because oh, cool. he's okay. played in Vegas yeah. and done some, you know, accomplished things and so he's really good at it so I'm like teach me how you would play you know and so now it's something he could teach me I I did get him to go to a yoga class by the way awesome amazing yes. fantastic so, that's kudos great to him last time he came to a yoga class with me we were dating probably like 17 years ago okay so well it's done. been a while yeah it's been a while wow. but um so you know trying things that our partners are interested in one or finding something totally different that 
you both can learn to be yeah. experts yeah. at or yeah. your own kind of expert. Yeah. Or something that you enjoy together. Do you enjoy, are you foodies? Do you enjoy good meals together? Are you, mm-hmm. do you like wines and you want to go taste new wines together? You know, bourbon or whatever. Or do you, I mean, we're also big, um, uh, movie buff people, you know, but we really like uh, artsy films. And so we're, you know, if something comes to town and we're like, we got to go see that film, you oh, know, cool. or yeah. whatever. But that's something we enjoy doing together. We're not actually, you know, you know, uh, talking with one another during the movie, but we have a lot to talk about afterwards. And we talk sure. about the cinematography and we talk about, you know, the storyline mm-hmm. and we talk about the character development, and all that stuff. Right. So, you know, finding those things. And sometimes because people don't know themselves, right, they might not really know what they like. And so then, you know, and does their partner know what they like and what could you do together? Yeah. So it's tricky. All of this is tricky. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy <laughs> by any means. Tricky but attainable. Yes. Yeah. Don't totally. ever think, like, well, something that's tricky, it can't be done. It takes practice. And you got to just keep practicing. You also have to be willing to put into work. Absolutely. I mean, that's, I think... Yeah. I mean, any time that somebody says that marriage shouldn't be work or it shouldn't, it should be easy. And it's sort of like... Tell me more about that. Tell me more about your life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's an element of like, if you're being true and honest to who you are and you're wanting your person, your partner to be true and honest to who they are, and then you're able to be true and honest with each other, then that could be really easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I don't see that a lot. Right. Because life gets complicated and you know, big things happen and it gets difficult and, you know, you have to learn to negotiate things you've never had to negotiate before. I think that's a, actually like, that's a bullshit comment too. Like it, then if it is work, but you still want to be in it, be like, well, why are we not working? Yeah. Why is this not working? I think that that's a loaded comment. I personally like to work and I like to be a hard worker. So it doesn't, yeah. I'm not yeah. offended that I have to put work into anything that I have to do. That's, yeah. I enjoy doing that. Well, and if you think about, like, if you show up as your best self and you're being true and honest to who you are, right, mm-hmm. it's going to not feel like work right. so much, right? And you hope that your partner's showing up that way to you, too. Mm-hmm. That's where it gets tricky, because if you feel like your partner's not, right, that's where you might have some questions to be asking about because I do, I 100% tell people to listen to their gut and if they think something is off or something's kind of wonky, start asking questions, start, mm-hmm. you know, investigating and be prepared for what you're going to find. Right. If you're ready for that. Sometimes people have to get ready for that. But, you know, if if it's you're not feeling the trust or the honesty or whatever, you're it's going to feel off. Yeah. And it's not always, it doesn't always mean that there's infidelity. It might just mean we need to get back on track or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. and that will look like this. But, you know, you're starting to pull away from each other. That's not going to feel good. Yeah. Right. You know, there might be a certain amount that it feels okay. And then it hits that other level and you're like, oh, this doesn't feel good. Right. Mm -hmm. You know. It's been, a, it's been a fun one. I know, Megan. You're always bringing so much like knowledge <laughs> and joy, and yet honesty. Well, it's so layered. It's, <laughs> it's so, yeah, it's it really so, is. So 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 layered. So, layered. Mm-hmm. so I know that not all of our listeners are going to be on the therapy bandwagon. Sure. Do you have some literature that you also offer? Um, yeah. And your website's super informative. I yeah. know that you have some stuff on there, but what yeah. what literature do you offer? So, so great books, anything by John Gottman. So John Gottman uh, is a, the leading marriage researcher out of the University of Washington, which is my whoop, whoop. alma mater. Um, but he has this whole 
way that he looks at couples and researches couples and uh, he can tell within like the first 30 seconds if some they're going to stay together or not and so he's written That's these really great books around you know how to strengthen your marriage I had a mentor in Austin who's phenomenal. Her name is Patricia Love, Pat Love. She is also a researcher. She's written several books that I highly recommend. Hot Monogamy, which is awesome. Bring a little bit of fire back into your relationship. Uh, The Truth About Love. So, um, you know, looking at how hormonal differences change, you know, the new love versus the married love and so on. And then she has another one that's um, how to improve your marriage without talking about it, which really started to shape how I did marriage therapy, because a lot of times I don't get both couples. I don't get both people in the session. Right. Mm -hmm. I get one person in and they're like, something's off. I don't know what's off. My partner won't come with me. And so I'll say, okay, well, let's see what we can do from your end to kind of see what you can become aware of and how you can shift yourself to see if you need to be more XYZ XYZ in this Mm -hmm. relationship, you know, because sometimes people don't want to come in because, you know, they think that the therapist is only going to side with the, you know, person who wants the therapy, right. Or whatever. I try to do a really good job of staying balanced of, you know, trying to see it from both sides because I've done this now for 20 years that there's always two sides of the story. And when you go into therapy, you need both sides of the story. Yeah. Right. You can't just look at something through one lens and be like, here's the problem. Right. The other reason why people don't come to is either they don't want to change or they don't think their partner's ever going to change. And so it's not going to be worth their time and energy. Mm-hmm. So that's the question to ask yourself, right? Is like, am I willing to change? If, I want, if I'm going to therapy, am I willing to change? And two, do I think my partner is willing to change? And if they're not willing to change, it's, it's either because it's part of their personality, whatever this is, is this is who they are and they're not going to change that. Or two, it's working for them how it is currently. And so they're comfortable with things and they don't want them to change yeah but that is it (laughs) (laughs) so that's tricky but yeah pat love and john gottman are excellent anything by michelle wiener davis um i know it's she's she's phenomenal though i just listened to a podcast of her she wrote a book called no, I can't remember. Infidelity. <laughs> I was like, shit. Oh, that's my favorite. No, it's like something about infidelity. But she um, she has a few things on YouTube, too, mm-hmm. that are really quite awesome and provocative around, like, how, you know, women, you know, you've got this far in your marriage, like, and now, you know, you're saying you want a divorce, but now the husband's, like, really willing to change. And so, like you know, we're here, we're at this point, like you can do this with this person or you might have to do this with the next person. Right. But sometimes there's so much hurt and resentment, you know, on one person's part that they're like, why didn't you want to change 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. Right. And so sometimes it takes people certain things for the wake up call to happen. Sure. So, but she's really wonderful as well. So that's a good start. We love those. So yeah, we'll We'll, we'll link them. Yeah. But those are books. I think you can start there. Yeah. And know that 
therapy is a is evolving process too. If you yeah. decide and earned it, it, it yeah. it's not going to be. You're not going to find all the answers. It's not a treasure chest, right? And it doesn't have to be scary, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, I try to be pretty. I go with wherever my client wants to go, right? Like I'm not going to be mm-hmm. like, oh, we have to get to this point by this time. No, it's more about like. You've got a problem. You're wanting to solve it. Like, I feel I'm more of a problem solver than anything. Like, I'm here to give you, to help you see different options of how this can go. But it can be scary when it comes to your marriage, Um, you know. Yeah. Well, we definitely appreciate all of your advice and all of your perspectives and just your honesty. Yeah. We we love that so much. And thank you. And we are really looking forward to your creative morning. Can't wait. That's coming up soon. And I know that... um, you know, we've had a lot of listeners who have really enjoyed hearing what you've been willing to share. Yeah. So thank you for Great. continuing to do that. And just thanks yeah. for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. See Bye. you again soon. Thanks for sharing your time with us. Help keep the CZL momentum going by rating our podcast and writing a review. If you love what you heard in today's episode, snap a screenshot and post it to your Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag us.